Were you an athlete? I was an athlete. What were you an athlete? Some would would even say an athletic supporter. I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello there and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the world's only podcast dedicated to plant-based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder, and he's sunshine mixed with a little bit of hurricane. Say hello to my husband and producer of the podcast, Mr. Rossetti. I think we've used that before. I think we have too, but I liked it so much I used it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Hello. Just How are you? Call me out. Call me out Sorry. right there on that one. Oh, uh, if you're a new listener, you can go back and try and find what episode it was. Ooh, on. Tell yeah. Us. Ooh. You get a I liked it because it's true, love. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe too true this year. Oh, specifically this I'm, year. I'm a I'm a lot of bit of hurricane with a little bit of sunshine mixed That's in. That's not true. Well, Mr. Rosetti, I want to say something to you for all the listeners to hear. What? Happy birthday, darling. Oh. Well, you know what's so fun? Oh. I get to say happy birthday to oh, you. Oh, thanks. Yes, folks. We have the same birthday. Same exact birthday. We're two hours apart. Um, it might same year, everything. Ben David's uh, pickup line, even. Hey, we have the same birthday. With some, some would say stalking on Facebook. <laughs> I would say research on facebook that we had the same birthday same year so uh well he's older though for the, the it record. is true i'm older and wise uh, mm. uh there's nobody else i'd rather share a birthday with so our birthday is actually the 21st so um just the day before this anyways it's crazy it was lovely uh listen we're gonna get into it uh because yeah, you, got a, you got a big one today we got a big, big one guest. we got robert cheek on the podcast uh mm. of the book the plant-based athlete well i will say these last couple episodes tabitha brown feeding the soul last week and then this week's plant-based athlete with robert cheek and matt frazier are very inspiring they both tell uh inspiring stories of harnessing your authentic self and stepping up to the plate to be your best self this book the plant-based athlete really tells some phenomenal stories of athletes fine-tuning what they need to do to accomplish their goals that they've set their eye on it's just amazing beyond even the plant-based aspect of it yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's like get get right into it. Let's Talk jump to me into more about it. Robert. Yes, our author this week, Robert Cheek, has a lot of information and stories to share, and of course, some recipes. So let's roll here. Robert grew up on a farm in Corvallis, Oregon, where he adopted a vegan lifestyle in 1995 at the age of 15, weighing just 120 pounds. Today, he is the author of the books Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, Shred It, Plant Based Muscle, and this book right here, the number one New York Times bestseller, The Plant Based Athlete. Yeah, Robert uh, is often referred to as the godfather of vegan bodybuilding, uh, growing the industry from infancy in 2002 uh, to where it is today. Um, As a two-time natural bodybuilding champion, Robert is considered one of the Veg News Magazine's most influential vegan athletes. Uh, He tours around the world, sharing his story of transformation from a skinny farm kid to champion vegan bodybuilder. Uh, Robert is the founder and president of Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness and maintains the popular website veganbodybuilding.com he is a regular contributor to no meat athlete forks over knives and vegan strong robert is a multi-sport athlete entrepreneur and has followed a plant-based diet for more than 25 years here he is to chat about the plant-based athlete robert cheek From bodybuilding champion to New York Times best-selling author, it's the man with the golden smile, the godfather of vegan bodybuilding, Robert Cheek is here. Thank you for joining me today, Robert. Dustin, it is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I, I appreciate your time. Let's dive into your icebreaker question. What is a movie you have watched more times than you can count? For me, that is an easy one, and my answer is Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) It's a good one. I don't think you're alone on that. My husband has also watched that one more times than he can count. Uh, And mine is a, it's a newer one. It's come out in the last year. It's called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. It's in the SNL realm. It's got Kristen Wiig in it. It's it's really, really funny. I've watched it too many times at this point. I can't even remember. Okay. Well, if I ever do get around to watching movies, which isn't all that often, uh, hence, you know, my movies being kind of trapped back in the 1990s, uh, <laughs> I could put that on my list. I, I, I appreciate the recommendation. 
Well, let's go back a little first. You were born and raised in Oregon and you grew up on a farm. Can you speak to that a little bit and how that led to veganism for you? Yeah, I can certainly speak to that. That's a big part of my life. I mean, the most transformative part of my life, the the core essence that changed who I was and who I am as a person. So, you know, I come from uh, parents who are in were in the animal science department at Oregon State University, my father being a uh, professor emeritus, uh, author of 15 textbooks, a world-renowned expert on raising animals for food production. And my mother, who spent years working in the animal science department, and both of my parents coming from farming backgrounds, and raised me and my siblings on a farm. So, you know, it, it was a pretty small family farm, just 20 acres, but we had cows and horses and ponies and goats and chickens and turkeys and geese and guinea pigs and rabbits and uh, and uh, and guinea fowl and other animals. And I was in 4-H and I would raise animals, uh, pr- primarily dairy calves rabbits and Cornish cross chickens, which are the ones that we eat. And I would show the animals at the county fair and then sell them at the county fair, uh, which would be turned into someone else's meal. But it was a way for me as a young person, a teenager to, to make some money. And so I, you know, that was, that justified it for me. I was not familiar with the concepts really of vegetarianism or veganism. Sure. Um, That just wasn't on my radar, but my older sister became vegetarian at a young age, maybe, I don't know, maybe eight, maybe 10. Uh, She's two years older than me. She became vegetarian for animal rights reasons, for compassionate reasons. And so by the time we got to high school, she was a senior. I was a sophomore. It's 1995. And she organized this thing she called an animal rights week. It's basically what you'd see as a kind of a vegan conference these days. There were speakers, uh, v- videos of factory farming and animal testing, people giving presentations, having discussions, uh, literature to read, uh, vegan bake- baked goods to purchase and that kind of thing. And it, and it was on that day, actually, the, the very first day, December 8th, 1995, when I was exposed to large scale, large scale factory farming and especially animal testing that I decided, you know what, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to contribute to this anymore. And I had this radical shift and it was, I mean, it really was, I mean, it really was radical because I even to some degree changed my group of friends. I started hanging out with the other kind of hippie alternative, like my sister's friends who were two years older than me and, and, and kind of like ditched my friends because I was so passionate about animal rights. I mean, it it was basically one of those things flip the switch overnight. And all of a sudden now I'm like criticizing people for doing the same thing I was uh-huh. doing 24 hours earlier. You know, <laughs> yep. you know, I, I mended those friendships, of course. And I'm actually to this very day, like, like literally today, you know, texting and, and in touch with those friends I had 25 years ago uh, before I became vegan. And, nice. you know, we're still close today, but, but that's how it got, it got started for me. It was that exposure to what goes on in the real world beyond the uh, the small family farm that I was on and and just you know selling three or four chickens at a time and one one dairy calf at a time at the auction but you know what really goes on on, on the large scale factory farming operation that feeds the the majority of citizens in this country uh, through government subsidies of these these cheap heavily processed foods that are incredibly resource intensive and end in in slaughter which is not something uh, you know that's positive for anyone involved right. in. And so I went on to you know, organize the Animal Rights Week, you know, when I was a senior in high school and I was a five sport athlete, you know, I mean, I was, I wondered like, is this going to work for me? I want to get bigger and stronger. I was a long distance runner primarily. I played soccer, basketball, wrestled, uh, but at, at a low body weight, I was pretty thin and small athlete. And so I really wondered, I mean, is this going to work for me to be like, like these pro wrestlers I want to be like, or Captain Planet or, or He-Man these characters that I actually really looked up to. And, you know, and, and I honestly and sincerely felt that way that I wanted to be some big, strong superhero for animals, so to speak, or for the environment or for, you know, noteworthy causes and all this stuff. And, and I wondered if I could, um, and, and people were concerned about my health and nutrition and wellness and my, really my well being. my parents, you know, being animal scientists and my father being a, an author on multiple books about nutrition, albeit animal nutrition, still yeah. very strong, you know, PhD, very good understanding of 
of nutrition and uh, and and health and wellness uh, for different mammals, including humans, they're very concerned. You know, Robert's not going to get enough protein. He's going to be malnourished. He's going to get sick. This is, you know, good for him that he cares about the chickens and the cows, but uh, there's other ways perhaps to go about this and you need to consume animal protein. So one of my goals was, and this is sincere, this is true, back then a quarter century ago, my goal was, if I can do this, if I can get bigger and stronger without consuming animal protein, this could inspire other people to want to do the same. And this could in turn save animal lives. Like that's what I was into. And there was, when I first started in 1995, there was really no public internet uh, that came uh, months or a year later. Sure. And, and the resources were still limited. I mean, you had, you had Diet for New America by John Robbins and Howard Lyman doing his thing and Brenda Davis and vegan outreach and, and had their like black and white pamphlets back mm-hmm. then. And PETA mm-hmm. had their videos, including black and white videos. It was early days. And uh, I, I had some support from athletes. Um uh, from you know my teammates and coaches, uh, not a lot to be honest. I had to, oftentimes, kind of carve my own path. But, but you know the story. I, I went on to stick with this program, mm-hmm. and I eventually discovered weightlifting and and the sport of bodybuilding, which I was not familiar with, and until I had it introduced to me. And then I went on to start lifting weights and actually put on quite a bit of muscle. I gained maybe 75 pounds those first seven years as a vegan from 120 pounds to 195. And here I was as a champion vegan bodybuilder and, and, uh, and filmed a documentary about it. And back in 2005 and, and then won another bodybuilding competition and competed for a full decade and, and wrote a book and then another book, another book, another book, and then this book. And, and I've had a really unique and, uh, and very fortunate opportunity to travel around the world over the last 15 years, speaking about my story of, of growing from a a skinny farm kid to champion vegan bodybuilder. And as someone who's put on 100 pounds and fulfilled lifelong dreams of having those things to some degree come true, you know, to, to make a statement that you can build muscle without consuming animals and that you can get big and strong and that you can do it without compromising ethics or, or uh, having to sacrifice compassion. And, and that writing books was also something that I wanted to do since I was in third grade, eight years old, 1988. And, and here I am doing that as a, as a profession, as a career, and made the New York Times list and number one international bestseller. And it's just, it's just been an amazing last three decades yeah. in, this, in this pursuit. So, so here we are, Dustin. Well, when we look at this book, The Plant-Based Athlete, A Game-Changing Approach to Peak Performance, this book really covers the ins and outs of fueling athletes of all different kinds. You co-wrote this book with Matt Frazier of Nomi Athlete. Uh, he fits more into the endurance category while you have a focus on bodybuilding. So already you have two points of view, which I loved when reading this because so often these types of books are from one person's perspective and Together with Matt, you sort of lay out the science, but what really separates this book to me and makes it the actual game changer that it is, it's the interviews from the athletes from all different categories in this book. Uh, For some of the athletes, you feature their whole story and others, you get some inspiring or motivational quotes from them. And then there's even a part that walks through several different diets of of different athletes, uh, uh, which sort of shows what they eat daily. Um, And it shows to me that there's more than one way to do it. How many athletes did you interview for this book? Yeah, that's great, Dustin. Dustin, I'm glad you enjoyed that aspect of the book. That was really my favorite part. And that's what I really pitched this book on uh, when I approached Matt about joining me on this on this journey. What I said was that what I want to do, Matt, is I want to tell the compelling stories of the world's greatest plant-based athletes. And, and really, if I had it my way, obviously the publisher weighs in pretty heavily here. Of course. <laughs> but if I had it my way, like it, it would have been all interviews, just like you know, and there could have been a follow-up book about a lot of the nutritional science and the data and the studies and the, some of the other stuff. But of course, you know, when you're making like this, this book that has aspirations of making the New York times list, it's got to be complete in all these different categories, which is why it had to have recipes and it had to have this, that, the other, you know, including all the scientific references and everything. Right. But I actually, uh, I interviewed about, about 60 uh, world-class plant-based athletes. Of course, I could have interviewed hundreds. There's so many amazing athletes, but I picked about 60. And then I interviewed about 40 other experts who are dietitians, um, uh, doctors, 
uh, nutritional scientists, experts, you know, a lot of the same people we, we know and love, Brenda Davis, Colin Campbell, Michael Clapper, uh, Dr. Esselstyn, people like that, uh, Brooke Goldner, uh, you know, uh, many others. And, and, and really, you know, it was these athlete stories that were so fun to write and, and to really bring their stories to light. You know, um, there's a few celebrity athletes we talk about in the book, but really what I wanted to focus on are those who have been some of the best in the world who've been flying under the radar, you know, like Fiona Oaks or Laura Klein or Jahina Malik or Vanessa Espinoza, uh, people like that. Um, in addition to the rich roles and Scott Jurek's and Brendan Brazier's and Rip Esselstyn's of the world, but to, you know, to tell the story of Christine Vardaros and, and tell the story of, of, of uh, Harriet Davis and Natalie Matthews and Sharon Feichman and Orla Walsh and, and so many others that may not be on your radar, but they're some of the best in the world at what they do. These are Olympic medalists. These are world champions. These are Guinness world record holders. These are professional athletes who in many cases, and also Dustin, another reason why I picked the athletes that I picked, many of them have been plant-based or vegan for a very long time, including some from, from birth and others for five decades, others for three or four decades. Uh, so there, there's, and obviously the game changers already covered a lot of some of the, the newer and like famous athletes like Lewis Hamilton and, 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 and Novak Djokovic or people like that. And what I really wanted to do was tell the stories of those who've been at it for a really, really long time, who've been paving the way in, in their respective countries or parts of the world where they reside in all their different sports. And I mean, anything from skiing to bodybuilding to tennis, to cycling, swimming, triathlons, uh, uh, wrestling, uh, boxing. I mean, so many football, uh, Olympic sports. I mean, you name it. Uh, we, we really try to get a nice balance there and also a nice balance of, of male and female athletes and, um, and athletes of different ages and of different sports and different uh, locations geographically around the world, different backgrounds. And I feel like we did a a good job of telling those stories. And that's my favorite part of the book as well. And then, of course, as you kind of mentioned, or you not kind of, you did mention, it's also really compelling for readers to understand there, there's no one way to do this. And, and that's, there's already all these other books from people that tell their own story. You know, this is Brennan Brazier's approach. You know, this is Rip Esselstyn's approach. This is um, Rich Roll's approach, whatever. We put all of them in there, of course, and a number of people from the Game Changers, including James Wilkes, the creator of Game Changers. But we wanted to show a broad spectrum of, of athletes. So there's this section in the book called The Day in the Life. And there's about, I don't know, what is there, 20 or 25 athletes who give an entire day in the life, whether it's Sonia Looney or Andreas Voita, you know, people uh, who are world champions or Olympians. Those two happen to be world champions and Olympians, as I just mentioned. And, and, and we, we walk through their day, you know, uh, so someone might be a kayaker, uh, you know, a, a female kayaker or a male bodybuilder, they're going to, they're going to eat, live, train, exercise differently. And so the goal was that there's, there's gotta be a story in here that you can res resonate with that, that just connects with you on some level, uh, whether it's your sports interests or someone who had a similar background, maybe they didn't start their sport until later in life. Or maybe, you know, they were vegan from a young age or they had to overcome this similar obstacle as you or they're from the same, the same region um, or play the same sport. Uh, we wanted to just give people a lot to look at there and, and really tell some heartfelt stories, you know, like Josh Lajani, you know, one of my favorite stories in the book. I mean, just really, really incredible uh, transformation that he went through and, and Dotsie Bausch and what she had to overcome. I mean, drug addiction and, and, and suicide attempts and all this really heavy stuff, you know, and, and, and still became an Olympic medalist and, um, and, and people who had to set their fears aside and, and go on to become world champions like Sonia Looney. Uh, it's, I think it's really, really inspiring and motivating. And it, it sure was a lot of fun to write. Yeah. It's very inspiring to see the different stories. I also really enjoyed, like you mentioned, the balance of uh, male and female stories. And I also, you're, you're talking about some of them who were vegan from birth, but then 
Also, there were athletes in here who later in their career decided to go plant-based. And I, I felt like it was a lot of like what I read was from having experiencing pain and inflammation. It wasn't surprising to me so much, but I was curious if you find that to, to be the most common thread with these athletes when they make the switch to plants. Yeah, that was the common theme. So, so I did the interviews uh, for the book. So I had the, all the conversations, some were in person before the pandemic, some were over the phone, some were uh, uh, through email, most were through email. So I, ha- and then lots of follow-up, you know, follow-up conversations, follow-up emails and all of that stuff. And so I, I did the interviews and it was, it was something that I found across the board that it was this reducing inflammation, this improved recovery. Like that mm-hmm. was the theme like this. It wasn't like I picked the the best stories to share because they had this in common. Like that's what they all reported. Right. Essentially you couldn't get around it. Uh, and, and I would ask the questions in different ways and have conversations in different ways. And Dustin, all you really have to do is look at the longevity of some of these athletes. You look at like a John Joseph, you look at a, a Rip Esselstyn, a Fiona Oaks, Christine Vardaros, uh, Ritual. They're all in their fifties. They're all in their fifties and still, right. you know, Rip, Rip set a world record at age like 58 or 59. And, and John was doing an Ironman triathlon uh, last weekend in Maryland. And before that, uh, a few months earlier uh, in in Cancun or something. And he's almost 60, he's 59 um, this week, I believe. And, and there's there's something to the longevity. And I think it has also has to do with the recovery process. And when you when you get rid of chronic inflammation and when you can reduce inflammation, even acute inflammation that comes from athletics, and you can do that on a, on a regular basis, day in, day out, using diet, using anti-inflammatory compounds naturally found in plant-based whole foods, antioxidants, vitamin, mineral, nitric oxide-rich foods, primarily leafy greens, fruits, cruciferous vegetables, legumes, you know, and some nuts and seeds, of course. Uh, those, those are the primary foods that help combat inflammation. And, and of course, the avoidance of, of the animal protein and processed oils and things that, that contribute to inflammation. And what you're left with is this recipe for success. And it was really cool. And Dustin, I have to tell you, as much as I'm impressed by Jahina Malik, who's been vegan since birth and, be, and became a professional bodybuilder, and Shonda Hill, who's been vegan since birth and became a world champion in ultra triathlons, and Kevin Hill, her, her brother, who's vegan since birth and won an Olympic medal in snowboarding and, a, and an X Games gold medal right here in Aspen, Colorado, uh, you know, again, vegan since birth. I'm also really, really inspired by people like Sharon Feichman, who's much newer to a plant-based diet, who has been playing tennis since she was six years old and her dreams were over when her professional tennis career came to an end because of, of, of chronic ailments, chronic soreness, uh, things that prevented her from playing very much like Venus Williams. Her story is very, very similar. And, and her trainer introduced her to this plant-based diet to give it a try. And not only did she bounce back, and was able to, to have the pain go away. She got back on the tennis court, had her highest overall world ranking she'd ever experienced and just competed in Tokyo at the Olympic games represent, representing her native country of Canada. And I'm inspired by those stories too, or like Chris Paul, who I, I just, I just really like him. I, I met him at the game changers premiere. He's one of the greatest basketball players in the NBA, a future hall of famer. He was in the NBA finals this year. And, uh, you know, his career was on a downward spiral. I mean, 99% of people who follow basketball would have all agreed. He was, you know, he was, he was kind of left for his career to just end. He hadn't been an all-star in two or three seasons. He adopted a plant-based diet. He, he, his, he talked about his soreness and inflammation just completely went away. He even joked, he didn't even know he could get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom without limping. You know, he just thought that was just part of it, even in his kind of early to mid thirties. Wow. And he went on to have his best seasons, arguably, of his entire 16-year career in the last couple of years, was an all-star in both of those years, and has credited a plant-based diet to his performance. And, and, and same with Novak Djokovic, the, the best tennis player, male tennis player in the world, and has credited in, in many interviews that a plant-based diet has enabled him to be the tennis player of the decade. And so I'm inspired by those stories as you know, just as much as the ones who've been vegan since birth, because those who have the recent transformation 
they'd already been pro athletes, right? They'd already been really, really good, sure. but injuries made their careers come, uh, come to a halt. And in fact, some ended their careers and a plant-based diet was able to help them overcome this chronic inflammation and bounce back to doing what they absolutely love to do and what they've dedicated their lives to do. And that's what I think is going to resonate with a lot of readers, because whether you're an athlete or not, if something that slows you down and prevents you from following your passion, man, that's a bummer. Yeah. And if, and if we're not saying you can fix it every time with a plant-based diet, but it sure puts you on a, on a path for possibility and increased probability that you can perform better and, and increase the longevity of that sport or that physical activity that you love to do. And, and that's what I found to be especially exciting. Yeah. And it certainly, it doesn't hurt to try, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, well, try the plant-based diet and see what happens. <laughs> uh, and when you speak of all these different ages and these athletes and where they've started at different times in their career, or how they've excelled on a plant-based diet, I guess I want to ask for our listeners now at this point, if you're someone considering, you know, either upping your athletic game or an athlete already, and you want to start the journey of fueling yourself on plants, how do you start? Where do you start, Robert? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And it's, it might be a different answer for, for each person too, because it may start with just incorporating more of your favorite plant, uh, plant-based foods into your diet. It may start by eliminating uh, animal foods from your diet and replacing them with other things. It may start by being, you know, by, by following your passion and getting active and then realizing that, you know, to get the most bang for my buck, the, the, the best uh, nutritional return on investment to support my athletic endeavors, I should, you know, switch over to primarily plants. But what I would say, and I list this in the book, um, to make it an easy transition is to simply make a list of your five favorite foods in every category, your five favorite fruits, vegetables, legumes, grains, nuts, and seeds. That gives you, you know, 30 different options or so to just, to just look at like what, so what are the, my, my favorite foods and make sure you have those available so that you, when you're you know, when you're tempted by, well, I've historically just eaten, you know, chicken sandwiches or chicken nuggets or bacon for, you know, my weekend breakfast or whatever the case is, you'll have something else instead, like this great oatmeal with blueberries and walnuts and strawberries and this green smoothie and, and, or this from our book, you can even find a vegan omelet um, from our book. You can find a, a uh, tofu scramble. You can, you can find all the acai bowl, you know, ribs, big bowl, all these other breakfast items. And then what I encourage people to do is, okay, so what are your, what are your actual favorite meals besides just listing like right. watermelon and grapes and, you know, and, and sweet potatoes. Okay. That gives you an idea for the foundation of the types of foods to have at home, but what do you actually eat? Right? Like, I mean, do you eat burritos, tacos, pizza, burgers, pasta? Like what are your favorite meals? And then make sure you have the plant-based ingredients to support that. So if you know you're a big pizza person and that's just who you are, that's how you identify, you're not going to change that. You're open to a vegan version of it. Okay, then do it. Then have the, have the vegan pizza crust, have the sauce, have the different vegan cheeses, find which one is best for you and do all your normal toppings of artichokes, spinach, tomatoes, black olives, mushrooms, whatever. And then have, if you like, you know, plant-based pepperoni or sausage or whatever, and realize that you can have this you're not having to make sacrifices is what I'm, or compromises is what I'm getting at. And so if it's burrito bowls or tacos or burgers or whatever, whatever it is, you can find a vegan version for it, including, you know, things like omelets or eggs. And so identifying those things and, and, and just acknowledging that they're out there and then getting the ingredients for them is a way to reduce that temptation. So when you are craving that pizza or that cheeseburger or whatever, you know how to make a vegan version and you have the ingredients at hand. And also really fundamentally, Dustin, you've, you've got to be compelled for a certain reason. So why plant-based in the first place? Uh, why vegan? Who cares? You've got to answer that question. Why? I mean, that's why I've, I've stuck with it for 26 years because I never forgot why I started. I never forgot. I wanted to make a difference in the world around me and save animal lives because I was surrounded by farm animals for 20 years of my life. And I wanted to make a difference. I never forgot that. I'm not tempted by walking through a, a deli or the, the meat section of a store or you know the smell of a seafood restaurant. I'm just not because I, 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 don't, I, I don't forget why. And so I think fundamentally, you've got to ask yourself why, because if you don't have a compelling, meaningful reason behind it, it's easy to just you know say, well, 
yeah, I'm just going to do this today. I'm just going to eat, I'm just going to eat turkey today, or I'm going to eat, you know, chickens or cows today. Cause I just, yeah, I feel like it. And I'll go back to plants tomorrow. But, but that's not how we create consistent habits or how we do things like, you know, consistently reduce our, our dietary cholesterol intake or our blood cholesterol levels or how we can try to prevent plaque buildup in arteries or how we can, uh, you know, get adequate amounts of antioxidants in our system or nitric oxide to increase vasodilation and, and better circulation and blood flow and all that it comes through consistent patterns of, of healthy habits. And so if you can find your why, find your 30 favorite foods and then your, you know, 10 to 15 favorite meals and just have a vegan version for all of that. I mean, you're set, you know, we're not complicated creatures as far as our eating habits as humans. A lot of us eat the same kind of things. Most people eat the same three or four animals. Like that's it. They eat the same three or four animals all right, the time with, right. with different, like, you know, sweet potato or green beans or peas or corn on the side, but they're just eating chickens and cows and pigs and fish and occasionally turkey when it's, you know, that, that month of the year. Uh, other than that, you know, we can be so much more creative and, and and have so many different options when we explore a world of, of plant-based eating. I mean, I wrote down a few names, just, you know, we have this from our book, we have these like, uh, you know, spinach, tofu, quinoa, pasta bowl, buckwheat pancakes, a summer pasta salad, uh, chickpea salad sandwich, sweet potato brownies, uh, Tuscan potato soup. Uh, and so many others that are that are meals, dinners, you know, these Latin bowls and Western bowls and uh, different themes, you know, curried this or, you know, Indian spice that like there's so much variety out there and identifying what you're what you're actually going to eat, what your favorite foods are is a great way to stay on track for the long haul. I love that. And you cover everyone. He covers everything in this book. We get onto the topic of protein. You break that down. Of course, calorie density and nutrient density. Uh, you talk about carbohydrates and how you know they're the body's perfect fuel. You talk about fats in a chapter titled, It's Not All Bad. So many things. Supplements. You talk about all the ins and outs of all this stuff for the plant-based athlete. But I want to chat about a very important topic you cover in the book in the chapter, Unleashing Your Inner Athlete. You start straight off by saying you can't just read the book, you have to do something with it. I want to first point out that even if you don't have an interest in becoming an athlete, but you are curious about how awesome plants are for the body, this is still a great read. Um, and as Robert has mentioned here already, and I'm sure you can tell the stories are so inspiring um, just by the glimpses he's, he's given us into those stories. But as he points out, if that inner athlete is itching to get out, you can't just read the advice in the book. You have to do something with it. And this is all about the mental game. Can you tell us more about the mental game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really the, the foundation of what this is all about, Dustin. I mean, it, it starts there. You don't, you don't decide you're just going to be this champion runner or champion bodybuilder, or this incredible team athlete, or you're going to have this transformation like Josh Lozani, who was a 420 pound obese former football player who became a 180 pound ultra marathon champion. I mean, it just, I get emotional just reading that story. I mean, he, he was on his road on a road to an, a very early uh, death uh, with being well over 400 pounds and just, you know, drinking and eating the worst kind of foods and turned his life around, you know, and, and, and there's, but it's, it starts with, you know, it starts with the mental game and the heart game. I mean, so we have 1,440 minutes every day. You know, what are you doing with your time? You know, what, when you say you have goals and dreams, like, is that, do you really feel those and, 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 and why, and, and how will your life change as a result and, and, and how meaningful is it? And, and your actions dictate your priorities. You know, we may say, oh yeah, you know, my priority is, is uh, exercise and, and uh, eating healthy or, you know, even, even much more nuanced. You see, my priority is, you know, my favorite food is oranges. But if your actions don't support that, then those just simply are not your priorities. Your priority is something different. Maybe surfing the internet, watching television or eating bananas instead of oranges, whatever the case <laughs> is. But nothing, from my perspective, nothing dictates our true priorities like our actions do. So there's just a lot of questions to ask yourself, including, you know, what do I want to do with my time? And, and the role of showing up because this book isn't here. If Matt and I didn't show up day after day and 
our careers wouldn't be there. You know, Matt running 100 mile races and building up no meat athlete. That's great community. And me being a champion bodybuilder, if we didn't show up day after day. And that's something that uh, Sonia Looney contributed a lot to this chapter, this mental game. And she's a world champion mountain biker. And, and she has some really deep thoughts and advice and suggestions that again, I, you know, I often get like emotional looking through it. Uh, reading through it and and reliving those interviews and and just t- her talking about things that are just so that seems so difficult, um, you know, biking across the Sahara Desert or the Himalayan mountains and all this stuff. But like her, what it meant to her, mentally, emotionally, and in a life altering way, if she were able to conquer it. Like, what kind of person would I have to become in order to do this? And like, I just love, I love that stuff because it's so easy to be complacent. It's so easy to say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't for me. It's not my genetics. It's never going to happen for me. Why even try? Why bother? But what have we've written about, including my own story of someone who had no business in bodybuilding. I mean, it's completely laughable, but I did it. I became a champion and inspired thousands of people and it changed my life forever. And it saved countless animal lives just because I pursued it because I believed in it. The same with Josh Lajani, the same with Sonia Looney, the same with John Joseph, who had just this incredibly challenging, abusive childhood that he's open about and talks about. And he went on to be a plant-based athlete for 40 years now. He's been doing this plant-based thing since the eighties or seventies or eighties. And and Laura Klein, who had to overcome, you know, really tough situations and, and become a world champion athlete. And, and we already mentioned um, Orla Walsh and, uh, and Dotsie, Dotsie Bausch and their, their addiction, addictions to drugs and, and, uh, and found cycling as a, a way to, to escape some of that and to get their energy out somewhere else and discovered they had a passion for it and, and were pretty good at it and went on to become Olympic medalist in Dotsie's case and a national champion in Orla's case. But really, it's a central theme. If you really dissect these stories, and by the way, Dustin, the stories were all much longer. Of course, the editor, copy editor had to reduce them sure. so, so for, the, for the book. I, I'd love to do like a <laughs> like an unedited version. One of I would days. love a companion version to this. Yeah, because the, the there's so much in it. Yeah, there's so much more to every athlete's story than what I was able to share. But but it all starts with with those those really those basic fundamental questions about why is this important to me, uh, why does it matter, and and how does it compel me to show up every single day and give everything I've got to it, or at least give a tremendous effort to it, and why is it, what's it all for? You know, why is it worth it to me? Because we have this finite amount of time, whether it's on a daily level of the one thousand four hundred forty minutes or this finite amount of years that we are expected to have, how do we measure time well spent? And these athletes have answered that in their own pursuits. And it's something that you don't, like you said, Dustin, you don't have to be an athlete to understand that, 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 that life goes by fast and you want it to be meaningful and you want it to be impactful and you want it to be happy. Like that's, that's, we're all in this pursuit of happiness together. And for some people, athletics is part of that happiness for other people. It's healthy food and, and reversing chronic illness that, that brings about happiness for others. It's longevity to spend more time with their kids and grandkids or loved ones or pets or whoever it is like that brings out happiness. And for others, it's the adrenaline rush of sports themselves. Like I talked about like the, the competitive drive of just wanting to run and how, how hard can I push it? That brings about happiness. There's, there's fulfillment there. That's, it's not this torturous thing that is enduring all this pain and suffering. It's like, it's a, it's a decision to do it and see like what we're, you know, what we're made of. There's, there's, there's joy to be had there and all the, 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 the chaos of athletics uh, and that's the beauty of it. And so um, really my advice for anyone is, is listening is to is to discover what you are passionate about, or at least what you're interested in and, and give it a shot and, and maybe give it more than a shot. Give it uh, you know, as much effort as you're willing to give to it and see what kind of fulfillment you get out of it and say, was that a good use of my time? Was that time well spent? And your answer will dictate what you do next, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's great too, to show up, you know, that that's like a, a good bottom line to that is show up for this, this thing you're deciding to do. Yeah. Cause you can't get there without it. 
That's right. That's right. Speaking of showing up, this uh, book has a great plant-powered recipe section in the back uh, where athletes have showed up to give us their recipes. So it's so cool this is there for all of us. Um, and since you did collect the recipes from different athletes, uh, it, it gives us a nice diverse take on the food. And you certainly let us into like what you eat in a day and other athletes, what they eat in a day. And when I'm looking at this breakfast section, I already want to dive into the finger licking friggin' good French toast, that title <laughs> alone. Uh, yeah. when, it, when it comes to breakfast, what are a couple of your favorites from the book. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I love something like a nice acai bowl, you know, I, nice. I love fruit in the, in the morning. I just, you know, more than I would like that French toast one and nothing against John and his recipe for French <laughs> toast, but I would lean more to like Corinne Sutton and the acai bowl, um, or like rips big bowl, uh, which is synonymous with rip Esselstyn and, mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, his whole food approach, which is kind of in line with my style of eating. But at the same time, um, I really like things like, um, you know, obviously, I mean, oatmeal is a big thing for me. You know, James Wilkes has an oatmeal uh, recipe in there. There's some green smoothie recipes and, and all of that. Uh, but uh, like tofu scramble, as I mentioned earlier, uh, at, the, at the beginning of the, of the show that was in my sister's little cookbook, you know, that's just like the quintessential vegan breakfast thing for like a weekend. So maybe more like the fruit and oatmeal on weekdays and like a tofu scramble on the weekend. And, uh, you know, and, and then maybe if you want to get really creative, something like the, you know, vegan omelet from, uh, Corinne Sutton as well, but, um, th there's so much great stuff, you know, and one thing just to point out, I love the fact that you did bring, you did bring up that, that point that these are recipes from the athletes themselves. They aren't just like my recipes or just, right. Matt's. they're not the same tone, the same style, the same approach. These are what these world-class athletes really eat. And mm -hmm. so for example, one of the first recipes in the book, if I, if I recall, is this green, um, green smoothie, kind of like recovery drink from Mary Schneider, who's a, a marathon runner um, and ran at the U.S. Olympic trials last year. And it's like the, it's functional, like it's designed to help replenish uh, and help repair and provide all these these essential nutrients to help recovery after exercise. And that's what you'll find in many of these recipes where it's not just like, here's this thing that tastes good. But here's this thing that tastes good, but also has a nice balance of carbohydrate, protein, fat, and it's great for recovery after exercise, or it's high in antioxidants, or it's like designed to help reduce inflammation. Like that's the cool part to me, even when you get to like the dessert section, I mean, a lot of it is, is kind of functional stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what athletes are indulging in, but there's a reason for it. There's a, a method behind it. And I find that really compelling. And so, um, so yeah, thank you there that, that, for asking about those breakfast things. There's, I mean, there's buckwheat pancakes, but uh, yeah. James out of Australia, uh, he's, he's an incredible athlete, by the way. Um, and, and, and plenty of others to choose from. Of course. And I love the word functional for these. That's the perfect word for it. You've got a lunch section in here. It starts off with a tried and true chickpea salad sandwich. I still love a gosh darn chickpea salad sandwich. Even after being vegan now for like over a decade, it just hits the spot. There's a taco bowl, summer pasta salad. You spoke of the Western barbecue bowl. Is there something in your rotation in this book that you have for lunch often? Yeah. You know, um, I got to go with, you know, I have to give credit actually, when you see a lot of these recipes that are, you know, by me, by Robert cheek, they're actually by my wife, <laughs> Karen. Mm -hmm. And, and so they just listed under me cause I'm the, you know, the co-author and just like Matt, some of his recipes might come from his wife or his sure. family. And so, so yeah, I've got to go with like, you know, like the, the summer pasta salad is just so refreshing. We still have summer weather here in, in Colorado. It's beautiful. It's in the eighties. And so like this, like this cool, pasta salad, uh, with, you know, with spinach and tomatoes and all this at artichoke hearts. Like that is, I just love that. And, and then I go with, again, one of my own, um, which is the burrito bowl, which is kind of, you know, my style and my wife's style. I've just been eating burrito bowls for as long as I can remember. And so even though there's all these recipes by a lot of other people contributed, I kind of just, honestly, I kind of default back to the ones that my wife makes the ones that I make, because that's a reflection of who I am and, and the types sure. of foods that I eat. Um, whereas I said, I'm not necessarily so big on the French toast and some of those other types of meals that are just a little bit heavier or, or just different than my, than my style. And so those are some that I go, I mean, you'll, you'll never see me Dustin go like a week without a, a burrito bowl. It's just not going to happen all that often. <laughs> I mean, for good reason, they're delicious. 
Yeah, and they're just their macronutrient breakdown is almost per- perfect. The carbs, protein, fat, the flavor, the calorie density, the volume, the the satiety aspect of it. That they're never boring because you can add mushrooms and olives and peppers and pepperoncinis and, and salsa and all these you know different things to change the flavor and bell peppers and whatever you want, even with the foundation of beans and rice and uh, avocado, lettuce, tomato, and you just get creative from there. No, so I'm just hungry. <laughs> You've got the dinner section here. And one that I have my eye on that I can't wait to make is the raise the roof sweet potato lasagna. Y'all doesn't that sound good. I have a posted on that page. There's a throwback Mac and cheese here with a basic carrot potato cheese sauce, which I love always a good old standby creamy and comforting just the way we want our Mac and cheese spaghetti squash with tempeh bolognese is another one I have a posted on. And also the taco bake. Is there a staple at your home for dinner from here? That is a great question. And so it's actually causing me to quickly bust the, the book <laughs> open to see which one's like, cause I have to make sure I, you know, mention one that my, my wife makes and I don't know what's in the lunch and what's in the dinner section <laughs> to make sure I don't get in trouble here. No, you know, um, good question. I mean, I, I think we have the, uh, the curried chickpeas are here. I think that's in the, yeah. is that in the, the dinner section. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, so that's something obviously, and, um, and many of the lunch items, you know, at least that are from my household, we have for, for dinner as well. But as I look through here, things like the uh, the curried lentil stew really stand out. And um, even, you know, even this, uh, not totally my style, but I think I could get into it, the sloppy vegan chili and um, the black bean burger patties, you know, something from Brennan Brazier. I, I kind of gravitate towards the Brennan Brazier, Rip Esselstyn style of, of eating. And I've, I've known those guys for, for so long. And I, I kind of, kind of a little bit mirror my eating habits after theirs. Cause they're two of my, my favorite role models in this whole sure. plant-based athlete uh, movement. But I'm also, you know, I can go, I can go down with some vegan Mac and cheese, you know, I, I, I really can. And so um, that's, I think Julia Murray had that one and, and uh, the Asian noodle, um, bowl. I'm, I'm a really big fan of international cuisine and uh, and mixing things up. So I'll last. I'll one last one would of course be the three bean uh, tempeh chili, which was uh, again one my, my my wife makes. So so those are a few. And yes. um, and the idea is just to find the ones that resonate with you, you know. And 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 not everything's not everything's going to very likely because they're from like literally 20 different people or, or more, maybe 20. Sure. But that's the best people. part. Yeah. Such a great variety. I'm going to mention too, before I get into sweets, there's a legendary Tuscan potato soup, a recipe of yours in there. Um, and that's that I, the best. Yeah. That's, I can't wait just, to make it's that. Real, it's, it's just really good. <laughs> I love a good potato soup. So anything with the title legendary in it and then potato, I'm all in for there's uh, you know, a dessert section. Y'all don't skimp on dessert here. We got healthy fudge bars, banana bread, sweet potato, brownies, protein pudding, and there's also a helpful section with condiments, dips, and dressings, including smoky vegan Parmesan, shiitake bacon, cucumber avocado dressing, edamame spinach hummus, and mind-blowing nut-free vegan cheese sauce. Do you keep any of these staples in your fridge on hand or all of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good question. Uh, no, I certainly keep some on hand. And, and really, um, we're really big on uh, this idea of, of batch cooking, and uh, we love having bulk amounts of different things. Uh, so, you know, bulk amounts of brown rice and lentils and beans and, and, and potatoes and, and uh, the whole idea being able to mix and match. And then of course, having these condiments on, on, on hand or these uh, cashew based vegan cheese sauces and other things uh, that my wife often prepares uh, because I'm, I'll just be honest, I'm not the best in the kitchen. I'm pretty good at eating stuff. Um, (laughs) I'm much better at eating than preparing um, Uh. quite frankly, just being honest. And so, um, so yeah, we, we definitely keep a lot of this stuff on hand and I'm just really, I'm a really big fan of being prepared. And, and one of my friends, uh, chef AJ has this great saying, I believe it's in the book. Actually, I know. So I put it in this book. It is, it is. Yeah. She's re- especially referring to, you know, kind of like junk foods when we're trying to break the habit. And she says, if it's in your house, it's in your mouth. Mm-hmm. And so I try, I really try to get those really good foods. Um, the, the ones that are the foundation of my, my meals and my, my diet and even condiments and everything else you know, knowing that if it's in the house, it's, it's eventually got probably going to make its way to my mouth. Right. And so I want to make the best decisions that I can. And so, um, I do take that seriously and I'm not perfect. And sometimes I'm like, oops, how'd those sour patch kids get in the house? Of course. Oh man. Someone's got to eat them. They're here. Yeah. 
Um, or when the vegan ice cream's on sale where I just cannot resist, like the deal is just too mm-hmm. good. And like, how did all those, um, you know, the different vegan ice creams get in the house? Well, yep. they're not going to eat themselves. Um, but, but, but yeah, this is the idea is that with these types of foods and with all the foods I mentioned, like finding your five favorite in every category is to load up on those so that you do make the healthiest decisions that you can, that are going to be in line with your goals. I mean, if we do have these fitness goals, these wellness goals, and they're meaningful to us, we want to help put ourselves in a position to do so, uh, to, to achieve them. And that's same with fitness, you know, and that's where showing up matters and getting your shoes on, getting out the door matters or having some weights at home matters or having blueberries and, 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 and watermelon and, and flax seeds and walnuts and just healthy foods around it matters. And so, um, you know, plan accordingly, set yourself up for success and you should be good to go. Absolutely. It matters and show up y'all listeners. I'm sure you've gathered by now. It's important to treat yourself a little, but even more important to have some variety in your diet and the plant-based athlete book. Make sure you have not only a manual to unleashing your inner athlete, but also the tools you need with these great recipes in the back, the contributions from different athletes, as we've mentioned from the recipes to the stories paired with your research and the science really makes this book a no brainer for anyone wanting to achieve peak performance. Robert, congratulations. You and Matt crushed it with this book. Thank you. And, you know, and I couldn't have done this without Matt, you know, I want to, I know I'm the only one on this interview today, but you know, Matt has been a a friend for over a decade and a a role model and, and helped as, you know, project manager. Well, I did the majority of the writing and interviews and stuff. And obviously he has a, he's a juggernaut of a marketer with his, his uh, massive community with no meat athletes. So I I would not be here as, as a New York, New York times bestselling author without Matt. So I got to give Give props to my my homie out on the East Coast, yeah. uh, Matt out in North Carolina. Um, you know, we did this together. We got here together, and uh, wouldn't be here without him. So, uh, so, 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 thank you for that shout out. And it was certainly a, a lifetime in the making uh, to make it here. And honored to chat with you today about this journey that yeah. uh, has been so fun to be on. And Matt, too, if anyone wants to listen to Matt talk about his cookbook, the No Meat Athlete Cookbook, you can go back to another episode of Keep On Cooking. Matt's on here. We talk all about it. Uh, but listen, let's move on to our daily daily dozen of rapid fire questions for you. Let's and do we'll it. Wrap it up. Here we go. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Marinara or pesto? Marinara. If you could be an animal, what would you be and why? Ooh, probably a bald eagle. Uh, oh. So I, I could soar and just see everything with great vision from a bird's eye view and, and, and not have a whole lot of predators either, that except is, for human humans. Right. That is the golden answer. That's a good one. Do you collect anything rescue animals excluded? Oh, uh, I used to collect sports cards. Now I'm right. starting to collect Russell Westbrook jerseys, my favorite basketball player, okay. and he keeps changing teams. So he's been <laughs> on four different teams the last four years. It gets expensive, y'all. I was going to say, so more for you to collect, <laughs> it seems. Uh, an, yeah. a- an athlete you want to make a vegan meal for? Ooh, LeBron James. I've long thought that if we can get LeBron James on board, man, we can change a lot of yes. hearts and minds. Uh, favorite quick food item to make when you need a meal fast? Um, uh, to make, I mean, I, my quick go-to are bananas or applesauce. Perfect. If I had to make, make something spaghetti, I guess. I mean, but that, that's great. Those go-tos are great too. So barbecue sauce or hot sauce? Um, uh, barbecue sauce, I think. Favorite way to eat potatoes? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, mashed potatoes or anything Yukon gold potatoes, especially if they're hot and and just perfect. Nice. Uh, last, oh, this might not be an appropriate question for you, but last show you binge watched anything? No, I think. Oh, no. I mean, the only one I've ever seen the any TV series is called away the okay. one in space. There we go. Okay. Um, Hillary uh, Swank. Yeah. So <laughs> what book did you read last? Ooh, I, I probably my own. Um, uh, probably right. <laughs> yeah, probably the plant-based athlete. Just because that's all I've done. I mean, I haven't done anything since. Right, then. right. Uh, uh, if you could pick up a certain skill instantly, what would it be? Oh, it would be um, speaking foreign languages, like speaking many different foreign languages. Um, if I could do that overnight, man, I would love that. Very good, very good. If you could live in any decade, which would it be? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, uh. I don't, I mean, I, I, 
I just have to say just the present, I guess, and be great. Great, grateful and appreciative of what I've, what I've experienced and the people that have been in my life because I've been around this, this time. I love it. That's a great answer. Uh, russet or sweet potato? Sweet potato. All right. And this one's a bonus for you because I know you're so well-traveled. Do you have a favorite vegan restaurant in all of your travels or you can uh, give us like a, a favorite vegan city? Oh, man. Um, I actually ranked these in a book I wrote many years ago. Perfect. Um, and I had Ethos Vegan Kitchen in Orlando, Florida as like my number one place. Um, oh, I just enjoyed Crossroads in Los Angeles two weeks ago. Nice. But I also want to give a shout out uh, to the city of Las Vegas, who is just really getting vegan food on the map like All crazy. All right. I haven't been there. in a while, so I'm curious now to go see. When I was, it's been it's been a few years. When I was there last, I, I uh, there were a few places, but I'm I'm happy to hear that. I'm excited to check it out. That was your uh, your rapid fire. Well done. Yeah, um, well, yeah. And, and 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 plenty of other great vegan places outside the U.S. as well in Australia, yes. Canada, the U.K. and places I've been recently. And uh, Bio Restaurant in in Mexico. We was at recently. It's awesome. Uh, awesome. Chef Miguel at Bio in uh, down down near uh, Cancun. Listeners, you better be making your list. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> please tell the listeners also where they can find you online and on social media. Yeah, so I've been running veganbodybuilding.com for about 20 years now. Uh, for most social media, you just search Robert Cheek. That's with an E on the end. Robert Cheek or Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness. I tend to be on Instagram more than anything else, uh, about Twitter and Facebook and all that as well. And as far as the... The book goes, you can find The Plant-Based Athlete pretty much anywhere books are sold. Uh, I tend to find nice displays at Barnes & Noble, and, and it's most uh, affordable on Amazon. So you can, But you can pretty much find it anywhere and support your independent bookstore, too. That's right, everybody. Run out and get your copy of the New York Times bestselling book, The Plant-Based Athlete, A Game-Changing Approach to Peak Performance by Matt Frazier and Robert Cheek. Robert, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I really appreciate you. And Man, all you have done for the world. You're a swell guy. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Dustin. It's been an honor. And I really appreciate you making the time to have me on the show. And thank you for your questions, your kind words, and for your support. Wow. Those, I mean, his story, but also all the stories in the book are just so inspiring. Um, love seeing that that we are seeing the influx of the a beneficial, how beneficial a plant-based diet can be for athletes. It's not all about like the meat um, and the last few years of the book like this and the uh, documentary that we just watched Game Changers uh, really shows that this diet can work for athletes and it can actually work for anybody. That's the cool part. If it works for athletes, it can work for anyone. You can get all these performance results as an athlete. Then surely someone who is not trying to hit all of that stuff can maintain and sustain on a is that the same thing. Maintain and sustain. Sure. Is that the same thing? Well, uh, they could be slightly different. Anyways, you can yeah. do all those things on a plant-based diet. Yes, and of course, the recipes. I love they put some recipes in this book. The proof is in the pudding, so they say, I have made us the mac and cheese from here. And mm -hmm. of course, I also made a nut-free cheese sauce that they have in there. Creamy and delicious. And I made Robert's famous potato, Tuscan potato soup he talked about as well. We love potato soup here. We love a soup. We love potatoes. We love potato soup. Yes. Um, uh, and we also love tips and tricks around here. Speaking of tips and tricks, what is Dustin's dish oh, this week? Oh, mm -hmm. Dustin's dish this week. I want to riff on that mac and cheese a little bit since I just mentioned it. Uh, as I'm sure we have mentioned now in this podcast journey and through the vegan roadie journey, I really love mac and cheese. Uh, in my books, there's always a version or even two, but I wanted to share how easy it can be to create your sort of cheesy base. This week, I we you just had leftovers. Literally. But, delicious uh this week i roasted about two cups butternut squash cubed up and then put it that in a blender with uh, about a cup a half cup of cashews you can use sunflower seeds raw sunflower seeds if you're allergic to cashews maybe about a cup of water maybe a cup and a half always start with less liquid so you can add more you can add more water later or liquid whatever you're using you can't take it out you can't take it <laughs> out honey so start off with you know the minimal amount and then add as you need it uh and then i just put in some miso lemon juice and tomato paste and uh you can kind of build all of your flavors from there as you need it but it can be that simple and i'd say i did juice of a lemon one tablespoon white miso paste and one tablespoon uh tomato paste and depending on your miso you know you might add a little salt to that to season it but you can even do like 
a simple cashew base or sunflower, like I mentioned. No vegetable roasting necessary. Add spices like onion powder and garlic powder to spruce it up a bit. Maybe a little truffle salt if you got it. And of course, regular salt to taste to bring all salt is not about salting your food it's sort of to bring all the flavors out mm-hmm. right so you're you're creating this this harmony among the flavors so that's mm. what your salt's for not about making it salty so don't be afraid to create your own cheese sauce everybody it can be so easy maybe maybe um creating a fifth harmony in your spices, uh, maybe? Fifth Harmony, minus one girl. Minus one. Um, well, all right, friends. Uh, we're so grateful uh, for you joining us uh, for another episode um, uh, with Robert Cheek. And we'd love to see you sharing the episodes with others on Facebook so uh, and everywhere on Twitter. So uh, please help uh, continuing to spread the word for the pod. Uh, follow Keep On Cooking podcast on Twitter and Facebook at keep on cooking pod yes and we are so happy you could join us today please tell everyone you know about the podcast your mother your sister your auntie your friends your dog your dog share the plant love with everyone you know we have had a tiny departure from strictly cookbooks the last couple weeks but next week we'll be back to full-on cookbooks like usual we will be back with a brand new episode until then keep on cooking and remember it's nice to be nice This has been a Muzzy Cat production.